0: Open your Bibles to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 43. We're going to be looking at the entire chapter here of Joseph. Joseph, seeing his all of his brothers are going to come to Egypt. We're so glad you're able to join us. We are going through a sermon series on the life of Joseph. I believe that there is someone who you need to know about, who exemplifies character for today. It is this young man who went truly from prison from being to prime minister he went from being a slave sold into slavery being elevated in Potiphar's house going into prison and then being promoted to prime minister what a what an incredible journey and what's difficult about all this is the entire time his father thinks he's dead his father believes the lies of his other sons that his son Joseph has been killed by a wild animal. So Jacob has grieved the loss of his favorite son, born of Rachel. And now we're going to see here where Jacob has to release his other sons to go to Egypt. Egypt is that place that you never want to go. Egypt is that place that always seems to be outside the will of God. Egypt always seems to be the place that's beyond the promised land where the grass looks green on the other side over in Egypt, but you get over there and go, wow, things are different. You know, the grass, you always, from one side of the fence, from far away, the grass always looks greener in someone else's yard. Then you get up closer and you realize, gosh, their grass isn't that much better than mine. Their yard isn't near as well kept as I thought it was. I want you to follow along here in your Bible. Genesis 43 verse 1. Now the famine in the land was severe. The first time what happened was ten brothers remember Joseph's in Egypt. Jacob would not allow Benjamin to go. They traveled down to go to Egypt to get grain. Joseph saw They had to appear before their younger brother and they bowed down, which then was the fulfillment of the dream that Joseph had when he was 17 years old of his brothers bowing down before him. Here we are 15, 20 years later. Many years have passed. Now we've had seven good years. Now we're in the midst of that seven bad years. God has really matured really grown Joseph. Joseph also sees ten of his brothers, and he starts asking questions. And he plays a game with them. He accuses them of being spies, so he bounds one of them, the second oldest one, Simeon. And Simeon is bound, and he can't be released until Benjamin, the youngest of the brothers, comes to appear before Joseph. So what happens is they go back home, the brothers with the grain, and Joseph gives the silver back to them. They go back there home to to Canaan, the promised land. And what happens is they find, they open up their sacks and their donkey sacks, and sure enough, there's their money, their silver is still there because Joseph had them put back the silver. So the famine is still severe, so they still need food. The food ran out. So they're going to have to go back for more food. When they had used up the grain they had brought back from Egypt, their father said to them, Go back and buy us a little food. Meaning, we still need more. We're out. But Judah, who's the fourth oldest son, said to him, The man specifically warned us, You will not see me again unless your brother is with you. If you, won't, if you will send our brother with us, we will go down and buy food for you. But if you will not send him, we will not go. For the man said this, you will not see me again unless unless your brother is with you. So Jacob did not want to release his youngest son, Benjamin. Remember, Jacob, one of his great sins was he showed favoritism. And his favorite wife was Rachel, Rachel. Rachel had two boys. Joseph, whom Jacob believes is dead, he thought he died by an animal attack, but in fact his brother sold him to the Midianites and found himself as a slave in Egypt, and he's on the slave block, and he was sold and ends up in Potiphar's house. And then there's Rachel's other son with Jacob is Benjamin. When Rachel was giving birth to Benjamin, the youngest of the twelve, She passed away. And she's buried there in Ramah, just north, just right outside Jerusalem, right there near Bethlehem. So Jacob is thinking, I've lost my favorite wife. I've lost my favorite son, Joseph. Now they're asking, Egypt is asking to take my new favorite son, Benjamin. Now they're demanding. So here we are now. He's thinking, I'm literally losing everything. Why is this happening to me? God, what is going on? And I think the principle that we see and what God is speaking to you and I is about: there comes a time that we must release our children to the Lord. Have you released, let go of your children and gave them to God? Do you know, I believe one of the most important things is for parents to bring their children and teach their children and instruct their children in the ways of the Lord. We are commanded as parents to do this. Many of you listening and watching this are parents. Have you raised your children in the Lord? Have you instructed them in what is right and what is wrong? And if you don't do this, Fayette County schools aren't going to do it. Netflix isn't going to do it. You can't expect any any other cultural programs or anything in media to teach biblical values to your children. So if you don't do it, if you don't bring your children to God's house, if you aren't teaching your children at the dinner table... Or before bedtime, or giving them a devotional Bible. It's a brand new year. Did you get your children a devotional Bible? Have you started a new Bible reading plan? Are you have you set some spiritual goals for this new twenty twenty one year? Do you ask your children throughout the year how are you doing spiritually? What's God teaching you? What's the Lord doing in your life? Are you bringing them to church? These are good questions to ask. Listen, guys. If you cannot answer these questions with yes, I've seen the Lord work in my child's life. I'm praying for them to get saved. I'm praying for them to have witnessing opportunities and for the Lord to use them and and help help shape and point them in the right direction. The book of Proverbs describes children as like a bow. You just you point them in the right direction and you shoot them. It's like they're an arrow and you're shooting them. You pull back the bow and you fire. But a lot of times what's happening is parents, they don't even take their arrow of their child and put it on the bow and pull it back. They expect someone else to do it. It's tragic to see children wake up in the day and spend all day On iPads, iPhones, electronic devices, gaming, video games, TV, streaming. And they go to bed that day. And guys, I'm not kidding when I say this. They have done nothing. Nothing. You will not grow closer to the Lord by playing video games by just roaming around aimlessly on the internet. When you do that, when you're watching aimlessly on Amazon Prime, and on HBO Max, you're allowing someone else to shape your thinking. And one of the ways, the ways, parents, children, this is you, if you want to see growth, and see a richness and a fullness to the Lord, you have to take initiative in your spiritual life. No one else is going to do it for you. You can't expect your pastor, your youth pastor, your children's minister to grow you spiritually. You have to do it. Parents, you are the ones that will be held accountable for how your children, for you training train them in the ways of the Lord. And then when they are old, they will not depart from it. The problem we have today is the word training Might not be occurring. Now, many ways it is occurring. I'll give you a, a, a couple examples of some things I do. This coming week, I'll be coaching indoor soccer, my very first games on this coming Saturday. Say, Dan, why are you coaching indoor soccer? The reason I coach indoor soccer is because I can control the schedule, I can have a great influence on Benjamin and his friends. I can shape the attitude and the the direction of the team. If you aren't the head coach, you can't do this. These soccer programs are dying for head coaches. I've known this from coaching years and years of Upward. So I'm able to go in there, this is I Am Third League, and lead the devotion, point the children to Jesus, and basically take, we're in a secular environment, yet among all sorts of people, yet we're actually learning about Jesus. The games aren't on Sunday mornings, not interfering with church. We invite some of Benjamin's church friends in our church here, and it ends up something that could have been very secular ends up being a very positive experience. And that is what we do as parents. We point our children in the right direction. That's... Listen, moms, you need to be the room mom at school, in the classroom. Dads, you need to be coaching the teams. You need to be right there taking the lead role so you can have a maximum spiritual influence. Because if you don't do it, other people will step in and point your children away from the Lord. Parents, God is entrusting Children with you. One of the struggles that Jacob had, he could not release his family. He worried to death over these brothers. He's going to argue with his other son, his other sons about whether or not Benjamin can go down to, to Egypt. And look what it says here, verse six. Why have you caused me so much trouble? Jacob is asking the question. Judah has spoken up and said, Dad, I'm not going to go back down to Egypt unless Benjamin comes with me. And then Jacob, the father, you know, he's an elderly man at this point. Many years have passed. And he said, Why has why this, this trouble come upon me? He still doesn't take any accountability for some of the sins in Jacob's own life. He never holds his sons accountable. Jacob's sons, some of them were very wicked. They murdered their son. Or at least they thought. They told him they were about to murder him. They ended up selling him in slavery. They have no clue what's happened to Joseph. And what we see here, Israel asks, Why did you tell the man that you had another brother? So he wants to start blaming other people. Why did you tell the, the man there he's talking about is Joseph? says, Judah, why did you go tell the Pharaoh, the prime minister, that I had another son? That's secret information. We don't give out that. And Judah replies, they answered, the man kept asking us about our family. Is, he, is your father still alive? Do you have another brother? And we answered him accordingly. How could we have known that he would say, bring your brother here? Like how are we supposed to know this man in Egypt who's selling food? is all of a sudden it's supposed to be... Um, is going to bound us and require the rest of the family to come. Now, let's put this in the context. We're in a great famine. And you go to Kroger. And you go there. And the store manager is talking to me. And he says, Sir, do you have a sister? I go, yes, I do have a sister. And I say, imprison him. And next thing you know... I'm in Kroger jail. And until Jenny, my sister, comes up to Kroger in Lexington and appears before the manager, I can't get released from Kroger jail. Like, I do have to side with the brothers here. It does seem really odd. You're like, look, here's the money. This is a business transaction. I just want some food. And next thing you know, Simeon's locked up in jail. And here we are, Dad, bringing you... You know, nine out of the ten sons come home. and they return our money with us. We were not expecting this. And the entire time of what's happening, God is working. The whole purpose, the story of Joseph, is what God is preparing is He's actually preparing to move all the Hebrews, the Hebrew family, the Israel's family and sons, all down to Egypt so they can survive the famine. And then 400 years later the great exodus is going to come the great one of the greatest if not the well the, the greatest miracles resurrection one of the great old testament miracles of parting the red sea and moses leading the people free god is doing something here the lord is working and jacob does not see it all jacob sees is he's losing his family he's losing his sons he's now about to lose Benjamin. And I think the fear for us, tying this in with parenting, releasing your children to the Lord, what, what we feel like all we can do is invest and teach and instruct and train and put, point our children, make sure they have the right connections, the right opportunities, and then we release them. Every Sunday morning, moms, dads, you should be asking your children. If they don't want to go to church, you never just assume. You say, do you want to go? A preachers preaching on this. Listen, you one of the great great ways to get children to church, if you have a positive attitude about the church, if you speak highly of the pastor, you speak highly of the Sunday school teachers, you talk about well, the great things God's doing, the children will adapt that same type of mindset. Even your adult children. I want to tell you, you go home, and all you do is if you complain you gripe and you grumble, the people who are not going to church with you at home, they will develop that exact same spirit. It is Listen, as a born-again Christian, you don't realize the spiritual influence you have with words. Let me say that again. As a born-again Christian, those of you who are saved, you have an incredible spiritual influence with words especially those that do not go to church or are not where they need to be spiritually. You can shape them and point them to the Lord. And what's sad in this situation, Jacob is the Debbie Downer. All he can see. He does not see God at work. Judah is stepping up saying, Dad, we've got to do this. This is what the man requires. We have to bring Benjamin or we're going to die. So here's our options. We die of starvation or we bring Benjamin to Egypt. What's it going to be? Are you, this new year, parents, grandparents, how are you shaping your children? You release them to the Lord and you pray for them. You trust God with them. You hold them accountable. You constantly follow up. Any and every opportunity for you to do something positive. Wives, if your husband doesn't come to church... Every Sunday, any special event, any special trip, you invite your husband. Do you want to join me? Let's go to this together. This will be a fun opportunity. Any way to plant those gospel seeds. One of the best ways to get people connected at church is when they come. They need to meet and connect with other people. Your children need to connect with other friends. That way, when they come back again. They will see folks they know. I know this is really hard during COVID season, sitting every other pew, really awkward. It's hard to even tell with people's with a mask on. But friendships and relationships are a must in a church. That's what makes a church a family. You talk about church family. Church family means these are my best friends. These are people I'm close to. These are people who are praying for me. These are people I trust. These are people that hold me accountable. Keep going here in your Bibles. Then Judah said to his father Israel, Send the boy with me. We will be on our way so that we may live and not die. Neither we nor you nor our dependents. I will be responsible for him. You can hold me personally accountable. If I do not bring him back to you and set him before you, I will be guilty before you forever. If we had not delayed, we could have already made it twice by now. Have you ever wanted to do something, but basically you wasted so much time, you dilly-daddled around, talked about it, overanalyzed it, paralyzed in analysis of, of paralysis, just doing nothing, just thinking about it and refusing to do something, all that ends up happening is just like Judah. All we've done is delayed We've talked about this. We've beat around the bush. I've already kind of gone down there two times, and we easily could have been back. Then the father of Israel said to them, If it must be so, then do this. Put some of the best pro- products of the land in your pack and take them down to the man as a gift a little balsam and a little honey, aromic gum and resin, pistachios and almonds. Take twice as much silver with you. Return the silver that was returned to you. In the top of your bags. Perhaps it was a mistake. Take your brother also and go back at once to the man. May God Almighty cause the man to be merciful to you so that he will release your older brother and Benjamin to you. As for me, if I am deprived of my sons, then I am deprived. Jacob is coming to the realization that he says, I am not in control. I cannot control this. The people are dying, the people are hungry. All I can do is send Benjamin and pray and hope the Lord keeps him safe. Eventually, sometimes the children, I think the biblical principle also, there's some, cause sometimes the children, like Judah, had to step up and say, Dad, if we don't do something, we're going to all die. We're running out of food. This is a severe famine. We have to take action. The man there in Egypt said he wants to see Benjamin. So we either bring Benjamin with us and get some food, or we stay here in Israel and die. What's it going to be? We've talked about this enough now. I could have already made two trips. Sometimes it takes a child to step up and say, Mom, Dad, this is what's going to happen. We have to make a decision. Poking around is not helping anything. And we commend people like Judah, who had the leadership skills to step up and say, Dad, I'm taking over. Like, we've got to do something. The men took this gift, double the amount of silver and Benjamin, and immediately went down to Egypt and stood before Joseph. So they're back in Egypt. When Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to his steward, Take the men to my house, slaughter an animal, and prepare it, for they will eat with me at noon. The man did as Joseph had said and brought them to Joseph's house. But the men were afraid because they were taken to Joseph's house. They said, we have been brought here because of the silver that was returned to our bags the first time. There was this fear with them. You know, guilty people are always afraid they're going to get caught. They always feel like, okay, this is a consequence for my previous sin with Joseph. We put the money in there, now they're bringing us here to the back because they thought we stole the grain and didn't pay for it. They, intended, they intend to overpower us, seize us, make us slaves, and take our donkeys. So they approached Joseph's steward and spoke to him at the doorway of the house. They said, My Lord, we really did come down here the first time only to buy food. When we came to the place where we lodged for the night and opened our bags of grain, each one's silver was at the top of his bag. It was the full amount of our silver, and we have brought it back with us. We have brought additional silver with us to buy food. We don't know who put our silver in the bags. Then the steward said, May you be well. Don't be afraid. Your God and the God of your father must have put treasure in your bags. I received your silver. Then he brought Simeon out to them. The steward brought the men into Joseph's house, gave them water to wash their feet, and got feed for their donkeys. So they're taking good care of these brothers. Since the men had heard that they were going to eat a meal there, they prepared their gift for Joseph's arrival at noon. When Joseph came home, they brought him the gift they had carried into the house, and they bowed to the ground before him. He asked if they were doing well, and he said, How is your elderly father that you told him about? Is he still alive? They answered, Your servant, your father is well. He is still alive. And they knelt low and paid homage to them. So here they are again, fulfilling that dream. They're kneeling down before their brother. They're bowing down. They're paying homage to them. And goes on to say, verse 29, When he looked up and he saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, he asked, Is this your youngest brother that you told me about? Then he said, May God be gracious to you, my son. Joseph hurried out because he was overcome with emotion for his brother, and he was about to weep. He went into an inner room and wept there. There, then he washed his face and came out. Regaining his composure, he said, serve the mill. Joseph lost his composure because we need to remember, Joseph grew up with Benjamin. This is his younger brother. Joseph knew Benjamin all the way until he was 17 years old. So his whole upbringing, his whole childhood, he spent with his younger brother. They had the same mother. They were full brothers. And this is the first time in 15 plus years he has seen Benjamin. He looks up and there he is. And he started to cry. He started to get emotional about it. They still do not understand. The brothers are just in awe of what is going on. We are here at a grocery store And this man keeps asking us all these questions. They served him by himself, verse 32, his brothers by themselves, and the Egyptians who were eating with them by themselves, because Egyptians could not eat with Hebrews, since that is detestable to them. Now this is interesting. We have three different mills going on here. Look at this. Verse 32, they served him by himself. So Joseph is eating by himself. Hebrews were not allowed to eat with Egyptians. Hebrews ate kosher food. Joseph is aware of this. The Egyptians don't know this. They just eat whatever. Hebrew people, they would eat separately. His brothers by themselves. So understand... The brothers knew to eat separate. So Joseph could not eat with his brothers because that would have revealed his they thought They thought the man was an Egyptian. They think this guy's an Egyptian. He can't eat with us. So we're about to eat a meal. So literally there's like different rooms or dividers. We have our conversation. But then when it comes time to eat, we put the dividers up. So the Egyptians are probably used to Joseph not eating with them. But Joseph could not eat with his brothers, or it might reveal he knew that would be offensive to them. So we literally have three rooms. Joseph over here eating by himself. His brothers are eating room number two by themselves. And the Egyptians are eating by themselves. Because the Egyptians couldn't eat with the Hebrews. And what's powerful about this is, all three of these different groups don't understand. Only Joseph gets it. The Egyptians do not understand who these different groups are. The 11 brothers think Joseph's dead and they just think there's two sets of Egyptians eating on each side. But Joseph knows what's going on. Joseph is allowing that. They were seated before him in order by age from the firstborn to the youngest. The men looked at each other in astonishment. Joseph had them seated by their age. It's almost like he's playing a game with them. Portions were served to them from Joseph's table, meaning they're eating the premium food. And Benjamin's portion was five times larger than any of theirs. So that's a sign of favoritism. They. In their mind, the brothers, they would not understand why the, the, the um, Egyptian, why Joseph, the prime minister, would show favoritism to Benjamin. But the brothers knew that Benjamin was their father's favorite son. He was the, he was the baby, yet he was also now the favorite. Previous favorite was Joseph. They thought Joseph was dead. So, they're just in total astonishment by what they think this is just a coincidence. They don't understand. They are literally there buying grain. And next thing you know, they are being seated in honor of their age and Benjamin's receiving the ultimate honor, five times the amount of food. And this is the premium king's food, the kosher king's food. It's not, it would not be the one that um, that the Egyptians are eating is coming from Joseph's table. And it says, they drank and become drunk with Joseph. So apparently at noon, they're getting drunk. So they're drinking alcohol, including Joseph. They're having a, a grand celebration here. Probably not what the brothers expected. So what do we see here? The brothers, I have this up here on the screen. The brothers felt they deserved... Better than what God had done to them, they felt like, and I'll read it in verse thirty-four. Portions were served to them from Joseph's table, and Benjamin's portion was five times larger than theirs. They feel okay, maybe the Lord, because you know, they do they they've never in their mind. Could they imagine that their little brother Joseph is the prime minister? That was years ago. They thought he was dead. He's a slave. How is this guy in Pharaoh's palace? That would be unfathomable to them. So they feel this is punishment. God is reminding them of their sin. They still feel guilty of their sin that they've done. When we have unconfessed sin in our life, when we live a life going about never saying, Lord, I've sinned, I need to make changes upon this, we live a life that we need confession. Not only that, they were always aware of the sin of selling their brother into slavery. Every time there's a sign of favoritism that reminds them, Joseph was the favorite. Now Benjamin's the favorite. One of their father's shortfalls was Jacob showed favoritism and it was wrong. Favoritism is a sin. The book of James tells us do not show favoritism. In church, you do not show favoritism. The Lord doesn't have favorites. God calls us God equips us and God uses us. Parents, we do not show favoritism with our children. You pray for each of your children and you point them to the Lord. You allow for them opportunities that they can grow and know the Lord and use their gifts that God has given them to seek and serve the Lord. So what do we see from this passage here? God's using Jacob to finally release his children. He's releasing his children because he had to. Judas spoke up and says, Dad, we've got to do it. There are circumstances in our life that require us to release our children to the Lord. You do all you can in shaping them, shaping their attitude, pointing them, investing in them, being very positive, Always, always speak positive about the church, about church leaders. Because if you don't, if you speak negative about the church and talk about bad things that might happen or bad things you think are going to happen or bad things that could happen or bad things that did happen, all you're doing is corrupting your children and grandchildren, great-grandchildren. You're pointing, telling them, helping them use that as an excuse, not. The devil uses our words into either building up or tearing down our our children's faith. Listen, I want you to release your children to the Lord. You provide every opportunity for them to grow spiritually, and you trust them. I want to pray for you, and we pray right now, we bow our heads, and we give our children to Jesus. Dear Jesus, we give our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, Our cousins, our nephews, our nieces. Lord, we give them to you. Lord, we don't want to be like Jacob. He could not release his children. He was forced to by famine and by Judah. And by the prime minister of Egypt. God, I pray that we take these words and we seal them in our hearts and help us see the biblical principles that you did in Jacob, in the brother's life, and in Joseph's life, to point people, to direct people to your workings. Lord, we know your work in our life. Lord, I pray this new year, 2021, is the best year ever in our life. Lord, I pray we don't allow negativity to overtake us. We use our words to push people and point people to you. God, we give you this message. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for watching and listening to this service. God bless you. I hope you continue with us here on our Sunday evening sermon series on the life of Joseph. I'll see you next Sunday. God bless you.